With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Women's footy, AFLW, and the new priority signing period, which has already caused, to be honest, it might have caused a bit of a stir. It might not have. It's caused excitement. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what kind of chaos comes from all of this? And uh, and uh, one person who has their finger on the pulse is Sarah Black from AFL.com.au, writing for the AFLW, AFL men's and women's, but uh, covering women's off in this particular section. Sarah, welcome back to the Sporting Capital. Good to have a chat to you again. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, so this new priority signing period, it's set to shake things up in the AFLW, particularly for the new expansion club. It's only out for the new expansion clubs, uh, the Bombers, the Hawks, the Swans and the Power. What is it and how much freedom do these clubs have to poach players from other teams? Yeah, so this really landed with a bang um, on Monday afternoon. So these four clubs are going to be uh, given access to this PSP period. We do love an acronym whether it's men's or women's footy. Um, So in total, there's going to be 13 players across the four clubs who are going to be able to be signed under these PSP rules. Um, Those players will be able to walk to those clubs. No trade has to be facilitated. And at the end of the PSP period, which I think is the 8th of March, um, the AFL will look and look and see what's happened, whether there's been carnage or whether it's been fairly sedate, um, and, and see whether any compensation needs to be given to the uh, other 14 clubs for players that they've lost. And that compensation will come in the form of draft picks for the uh, Season 9 draft. So the upcoming draft is mature ages only, but Season 9 draft will be back to normal with the under-18s as usual. So these, so the four teams can just look at another player from another club and say, we want you... And if that player says, all right, then that's all it takes. Effectively, yes. Um, the, uh, that's as simple as it gets. But, you know, if you, if you really want to break it down, you have to remember that it, it's not necessarily going to be, you know, the captain from every club walking because they, they feel like it. Um, the AFLW, it's not a salary cap. It's, it's tiered payment structure. And there's only two tier one slots at every club. So, you know, for some of these expansion clubs, their tier one slots have already been filled. You, I don't know for sure, but you imagine Aaron Phillips is one who's a who's a tier one contract at Port Adelaide, for example. So, um, you know, if the expansion clubs have the payment available that's appealing for some of these girls to move, then yes, they can walk. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see younger players, you know, sort of age 20 to 23, who are starting to come in on their own to their own, um, who aren't necessarily being getting the pay they would like at their existing clubs um, and want to move up from Tier 3 to Tier 2, for example. So do the opposition clubs, do they have any power over keeping their targeted players or is it really just down to the player themselves if, if, if they want to leave or not? Yeah, well, if the player wants to go, then then that's really all there is to it. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for the existing 14 clubs. Um, I completely understand there's been, you know, some fairly upset fans who sort of had thought that things had stabilised and, um, you know, some of the clubs have sort of labelled this as a, as a fifth expansion period that they weren't expecting. But, um, 
Look, I, I think we, we're going to have to reserve judgment. We'll have to see what sort of players do move um, before panicking. I, I much prefer to sit back and let it all happen before, <laughs> in case, you know, you don't want to overreact because it could be quite a straightforward period. Why have the AFLW, uh, the competition committee, introduced this rule? Uh, I think they looked at the list builds for the initially for those clubs um, and thought, you know, maybe they could need a little bit of help to, to close those gaps. We did see massive blowouts. Um, you know, Adelaide and Port Adelaide in the showdown, for example, that was incredibly one-sided. A lot of it will be natural development that will come in the next five years and, and the young players of these clubs will come into their own. Um, but in the short term, I think the AFL have, have tried to speed up the process a little bit by facilitating this movement. Um, the expansion clubs really struggled to land big fish last year. Like, you know, they, they made lots of approaches. Emily Bates was one who was really hotly pursued, but in the end she didn't move. So this may be seen as a way to, to encourage that sort of movement. Is this, I don't want to speak out of school or draw a long bow, but is it maybe a slight admittance that the AFLW perhaps expanded to 18 teams too quickly? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. Um, I, I totally get the idea of short-term pain for long-term gain. Um, I think we were unlucky that COVID happened when it did. We lost two years of footy in Victoria, mm. for example. You know, the, those state leagues that should be fueling, you know, and bringing players through. They, the VFLW just didn't really happen for two years. Um, so whether we look back in 10 years and go, this was a mistake, maybe this should have been done this way, or, or you know what, that was the right thing to do, again, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Sorry, I'm a little bit too measured by nature sometimes. Well, it's already it's yeah, it's already started off with uh, with with a bang with Chloe Malloy set to sign with the Sydney Swans from Collingwood, one of the stars of the competition, um, and set for uh, for one of the longest contracts in uh, in the AFLW short history already. What are the details of the deal? Yeah, so one of the um, uh, assistance uh, aspects to Sydney's package PSP package was that it was able to sign uh, a small, very small number of players to longer-term contracts to help encourage players to move into state. We know what costs living in Sydney is like um, at the moment. So, um, you know, currently AFLW players can only be signed to two-year deals. So this one could be a four- or five-year deal. I'm not 100% sure myself on the details. But Chloe's worked extensively with Sydney coach Scott Gowans at Diamond Creek before the AFLW started. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott was also a senior assistant at Collingwood while Chloe was there. So there's a strong history between those two. So aside from the longer contract and, and maybe more money on the table, uh, what would make a move, obviously there's the link there, as you said, but but football-wise on the field, what would make the move appealing for Chloe Malloy to go to the Swans? Yeah, it's a tough one because you look at Collingwood were perennial finalists, um, you know, in and around semi-finals, prelims, and, and Sydney obviously had a horror introduction to AFLW. They they finished last with uh, ten fairly resounding losses for the year. Um, I think Chloe's Chloe's a natural leader. I, I think that's the best way to put it. She really loves uh, encouraging and developing and and seeing improvement. And I think that the idea of helping mould the culture of a young AFLW program at Sydney would really appeal to her. If you were the uh, if you were the head coach, Sarah, or, or a GM of footy of these expansion clubs, what positions would you be looking to get a boost in on the field and, and which players would you look around the league to target maybe? Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, I haven't thought about it too deeply. <laughs> I, I think AFLW, um, I think, you know, there's a few 
if you have the right people in the right spots. So you need a really experienced key defender, for example. You need not necessarily a lead-up forward, um, but, but more of a, a running type who, who can, you know, a bit of a hybrid. You know, it, it, Gemma Houghton comes to mind. She's, she's a really unique forward, um, someone who's great overhead and great at ground level. Um, and it, it really depends on each club's personal situation. Hawthorne, for example, um, is someone who could really benefit from key forward. They've had a few retirements there. So, you know, we've heard that Jessie Wardlaw um, is is looking to move out of Brisbane, you know, whether she ends up being in a PSP signing or, or a normal trade, uh, we're not sure, but keep your eye on Jesse Wardlaw, I think. How much stronger can these new expansion teams then become in this period? Do you think the gap will close? Um, I think it'll, it'll close a little bit. I don't think we'll see huge rapid improvement overnight. Um, but it, but it will help within games to really to close that gap and see fewer blowouts. I think also you know you've got to keep in mind the natural development um, and and the benefits of a full preseason. So these AFLW expansion clubs, because of the rushed season in August, they had three months to set up a, an entire football program from scratch. So you know the, the fact that they'll now have a, a good eight months to to work out well, you know, to do some planning and and, and get their players up to scratch, I think will help enormously. Coupled with the PSP benefits. Are there any whispers, uh, Sarah? Any other names that, that <laughs> might happen in the next couple of days or this week, maybe? Uh, we'll head to women's AFL. We've got all you've got you covered <laughs> with all your trade news. The PSP period itself doesn't start till March first, um, and then there's a, the trade period proper comes after that. Uh, but my colleague Riley Beveridge has been working the French furiously, and he reported today. Uh, that there could be a fair bit of movement between Collingwood and St Kilda. So Tani White could be heading to the Pies and uh, Steph Kiyochi and Jamie Lambert are mm. firmly in St Kilda's sights. Yes, I remember reading about the chef Steph Kiyochi one a few weeks ago. And that, so that March is pretty much just all player movement period for, for AFLW, isn't it? Sets it up sets up the year nicely, I guess, for, for, the, uh, for the women's code. Yeah, so from the 1st of March to the 20th of March, that's, uh, that'll cover the two periods combined. Um, and then obviously the men's kickoff as well. So we're expecting the AFLW draft to, to land maybe in April, um, uh, expecting it to be a smaller draft as well compared to years gone by. As I said, it's mature ages only for this particular draft. Um, and then pre-season to, to maybe kick off around June and the season to start in August. So we're nearly at the end of the off-season proper um, and, and there'll be a lot of little things along the way for the women's footy until it kicks in to good in August. What, what's the reaction, reaction been generally from the other clubs? Nathan Burke expressed a bit of concern over the signing period yesterday. Um, you can, you'd be forgiven, I suppose, for, for hearing, uh, you know, or you'd be understanding, I suppose, for, for if you heard any sort of disgruntlement from the other clubs who, who might be a victim of, of these rules. Is, is there a consensus already from the other 14 clubs on whether they're okay with it or, or a bit unhappy about it? It depends on each club's personal circumstance, I think. Um, it also really depended on, like I called quite a few clubs on Monday, on, on who I spoke to. Some people are very circumspect and, well, this is what it is. We're used to things changing in AFLW and we'll, we'll back ourselves and our culture to hold on to players. We're not too worried. Um, others were, were a bit disappointed. They felt like, you know, they have done a lot of work in building up their programs and, and thought they'd seen the last expansion and then all of a sudden there's this surprise fifth wave. Um, yeah, so, so it really depends on each club's personal circumstance um, and, and how worried they are about losing players, really. Yeah.
Sarah, thank you very much for jumping on and, uh, and giving us an explainer and, uh, and chatting about Chloe Malloy as well. It's, uh, it's going to be a pretty turbulent period, I think, for, for AFLW in March. Looking forward to it, though. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, John.